welcome to the inaugural episode of the Busayo podcast. I am Busayo Ulupono, and my guest today is Adekbera Oduye. She is a Nigerian Brooklynite, an actor, a writer, and soon-to-be film director. Adekbera came to national prominence in her role as Alike in the film Pariah. Since that seminal performance, she has appeared in several films and theatrical productions, including Trip to Bountiful on Broadway. And recently, she played the role of Eliza in 12 Years a Slave. It is such a pleasure and honor to speak with her. I'm so excited. Thank you, my sister, for agreeing to do this. Uh, um, this is so exciting. I don't know what I'm doing. So <laughs> no, it's fine. Well. Yeah. Uh, how much time do I have, by the way? So I'm like totally respectful of your time. Me? No, I'm, yeah. I'm good. You're so, good? Yeah, I have I dance class at six, okay. so... So, um... So, you grew up in Brooklyn. Yes. Uh, with a lot of kids. Mm-hmm. How many kids? Uh, it was uh, seven of us all together. Okay. And yeah. you're number what? Number three. Okay. Um, so, yeah, for a long time, it was nine people living in a two-bedroom apartment, uh, seven of us in one bedroom, um, with three sets of bunk beds and the, the two babies sharing... A, you know, sharing a bed. Um, and at the time it felt, it felt, you know, normal. And until I went to college and I had a room by myself and I was like, ah, oh, freedom space. <laughs> what is this? Yeah. And then, yeah, but it's, you know, yeah, it was, yeah, it felt normal. It felt, it felt, yeah, it felt normal. And was there, was it a, like an artistic household? Like, did you guys go see theater? Did you like no, not sing at songs? All. And- no, well, I, de- I definitely didn't go see, we weren't, I didn't go see theater. I didn't see movies. I didn't go to the movie theater. Like my mother's never, I'd never gone to the movie theater with my mother. I'd never gone to see a play. Like not, I mean, anything I saw art wise was because of school, okay. like school trips, you know, going to the museum. Um, Do you remember like your first interaction with theater? Like, um, well, my first interaction with theater was, was we did a play in fifth grade. It was the first time I'd ever been anything like that. And it was, they did a, an adaptation, a 50s music adaptation of Romeo and Juliet. Um, so it was Romeo and Juliet, I'm the play, the it. musical, okay. Romeo and Juliet, but using music from the 50s. Okay. So okay. we had songs like, uh, Be My Baby, Be Mine, and, um... So like Richie Valens and all like this all of that, but just songs. literally, you know, putting it to Romeo and Juliet, which was actually kind of brilliant. And I remember, you know, all the girls are like, you know, auditioning for Juliet. And I totally I was so shy. Like there was no I think maybe I tried to and it was like a disaster. And I was there was no I had no business even trying to even attempt to be. But they picked they picked me to the they had like a trio of girls who was kind of like Juliet's like backup dancers backup singers okay and i was one of the trio and um i remember feeling like oh it was like such an exhilarating experience because it was so much fun like like getting to sing and be you know be in a group of people and they're all doing the same thing like for me it was that was my first theatrical experience but before that i was actually a really creative kid and my mom actually music wise i have i have um i remember just singing like my mother bought us the Michael Jackson Thriller album, and that changed, like, that. And, you know, God bless my mother that she actually did She did that because, I mean, we only had, like, two records in the whole house. Like, we had Michael Jackson Thriller, and we had um, Culture Club. And, like, we, we like, 
on repeat, on repeat. It's so like me, my brother, and my sister, we'd be like, you know, like, who's going to be Michael? I'm going to be Michael, or okay, you're going to be the guitar player, and you're going to be the piano. And we would, like, we would, like, have these things where we, like, act out and, like, just jam out. So music, for me, was something that I was, because I, I, I sing, or I, I sang a lot when I was younger. And, like, you know, they would let us sing in the shower. Like, we would, like, I would sing in the shower, like, as loud as I can, and nobody ever mm. came to tell me to shut up. Like, <laughs> keep quiet. Yeah, like, we, and that, like, I think about that now, and I'm like, that's so weird or that's so cool that that, that that actually happened. Like I would like, like literally, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't recognize it until like one of my other siblings was in the shower and they were singing. We were like, man, they are really going at it, you know? <laughs> um, so it was, it was in a weird way, you know, being from a very academic, um, you know, my father was very focused academically, but they gave, they gave space unbeknown, you know, unbeknowing, I don't know. Um, to for at least for me to be creative, and so I was. That's my first memories of you know of my life is definitely creative. So you mentioned that you you had a really kind of academic. Your your mm. family had a really academic focus. So mm. growing up, you know, I grew up in a Nigerian home. Also, that yeah. was like such a big part was just study, 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 oh, study. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if your home was similar or a bit different. You know, from when I was four, I, I knew I wanted to be a doctor, and so what inspired that? Well, my father was a doctor, okay. so I think that's, yeah, I mean, my, I think my father's, you know, dreams subconsciously, or maybe not so subconsciously me, but I just don't remember, because his dream was to have all seven of his kids be doctors. Um, <laughs> and did he tell you that every day? Uh, not, I mean, when I was older, he definitely was like, yeah, you know, but actually when we were younger, because my brother, he was like the rebel, he was like, nope, I'm not going to be, he always knew he was going to be a lawyer, and true to form, he is a lawyer. Um but uh, yeah, but I, I, I always wanted to be a doctor. I guess I wanted to be like my dad. And uh, yeah, I thought I thought I was going to be, I thought I was going to have all the degrees. My father had so many degrees and I thought, yeah, I'm going to do that too. And, and so, yeah, I mean, but then when I, I got to school and... Um, so yeah. you wanted to be a doctor at age four. So then what, what happened? Like, why aren't you doctor at Dick Barrow do you now? <laughs> <laughs> um... I was, uh, I went to Cornell. I was, I came in as a biology major and, um, and, um, yeah, when I got, as soon as I got to Cornell and I started taking chemistry classes, something in me was like, Ooh, I don't, I don't know if I want to do this. And it was weird. You know, you spend your whole life wanting to do something and then like something instinctively was like, like, if this is what it's going to be about, like, chemistry, and this is, like, really hard and not fun at all, I was like, mm. So I started having feelings of, like, oh, I don't, you know, but I obviously kept it to myself. I didn't tell anyone. And then, um, yeah, and then my father passed away suddenly um, when I was a junior. And, uh, and I remember, I remember, I think he... I remember he was in the he was in the hospital. So my father he um, collapsed and then he was in the hospital for a week and then he passed away. But I I went to visit him in the hospital the first time. It took me a while because I didn't want to go to the hospital. And I remember going to the hospital. And I remember thinking I hate this. Like I hate I hate hospitals. I hate this. And I remember after visiting him that first time, I said I will never. I knew from that moment that I would never. I could never, I don't know, I, I was like, I, I'm not going to be a doctor. And I remember him saying, actually, in the hospital, like, oh, you know, you're going to be a good, you're going to be a good doctor one day or something like that. And in my head, I was like, 
I will never. Yeah, and then he passed away, and, and that was it. Yeah, it was a big wake-up call for me, and I remember thinking, okay, that's it. Okay, now, now what? Because I've spent, you know, most of my life wanting to be a doctor. What is it? I remember that moment. I remember I sat, and I asked myself, what is it that I would want to do? Like, what do I do now? And I remember it was like this little voice. It was like, acting. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, what? You know? Um, I was like, what? No, 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 no. And I just kind of like, you know, I was like, that's, that, that's crazy. Like I never, ever, ever in a million years. And so anyway, this voice said acting. And then I, I, um, I, 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 one of my friends was taking acting in cause we had a performing arts program at Cornell and one of these, a friend of mine was like, yeah, one day he's like, yeah, you know, I'm taking acting. And I was like, Oh, and I was like, Okay, he's taking an acting class. Why don't I just, I mean, why don't I, you know, just do it? And this is the only class that I went to every single class. And it was challenging, but I wanted to keep doing it. And I remember the first day of class, we were in a circle, and, like, we all had to introduce ourselves. And I remember in that class, in that circle, on the first day saying, I think I said, hi, my name is Adipero Dewey. I said, yeah, and I, I, I want to be an actor. When I, I want to be an actor. And I, was, and I had no idea what that meant. I just knew I just said I want to be an actor, and yeah, and I and I had a really great professor who who really encouraged me to um, to to not put myself in a box. Um, I remember, I wanted to like play. I wanted to play. We had to like we had a final assignment was to we had to do scenes from the plays that we kind of studied, and I wanted to play Meg in Crimes of the Heart. Mm-hmm. We also did Fences, and I was like, well, I mean, I I was thinking, I guess I should pick the black role because I'm black and I remember in a meeting the famous with him, rose yeah monologue, the rose yeah monologue that everybody yeah black, black role in theater does <laughs> exactly and I but I really something about Meg and I was like you know and I came to him and I was like you know I mean I feel like I'm supposed to pick this he's like why do you feel like that he's like if you want to play Meg in Crimes of the Heart like play Meg and so that just set the tone like feeling like okay I don't have to I can kind of do whatever I want and then I graduated Finishing pre-med, knowing I wasn't going to go to med school and was like, I'm going to be an actor, but not having any idea what that meant. Yeah, my mom was like, uh, what's going on? What are you doing? And I was like, I'm going to be an actor. And she was like, what? And and then what was that conversation when you, like, what did she say? She was like, okay. She was like, what's happening? She Yeah, because I, I, I was home and I wasn't, I wasn't saying anything. I didn't tell her anything. Like, I just graduated and I was just home and I wasn't like... Okay, I'm getting ready for... Like, I wasn't saying anything. <laughs> just, like, stare at each other every morning. Like, just doing my own thing. I was totally in my head. Such a Nigerian thing. Um, and, uh, yeah, she came to me one day. She said, yeah, so, you know, what's what's going on? Like, what? And I was like, I'm not going to med school. I'm, I'm going to be an actor. And she literally was like, what? And she said... The first thing she said, and I can say it because she'll admit it, and she was like, but you're black. <laughs> and I was like... Oh, like a Nigerian parent. Oh, Always yeah. practical. Oh, yeah. Always practical. And I said, and I never forget where I was, how the sun was coming through the window. I was like by the stove, and I was like, yeah, yeah. mom, I know. Last like, time I checked. <laughs> I'm very much aware that I'm black, you know. God bless that woman. I, I'm sure she worried so much more than she ever let on. And, I, you know, I saw a lot. So and I think instinctively she, she knew that it was going to be really challenging. And that was her way of kind of saying that. So how did you learn the process? And because I imagine graduating, you're looking at backstage, but there really is no, like, roadmap. Nobody teaches you the business necessarily. Yeah. So how, like, do you remember your first audition? Like, how did you? Yeah, so 
so kind of to backtrack, I, I, and this is sort of talking about connecting the dots. I, when I was 16, I started my first job ever in life was an actor. I, they, in, in my neighborhood, um, I grew up in Sunset Park, Brooklyn. They hired teenagers. This this one program hired teenagers to become improv actors and group workshop leaders. So my first job was this fun ass job um, where I got to um, improv act, and you know it was, a, it was a social work agency. So they really were encouraging about like you know taking initiative and like becoming leaders and like just you know expressing yourself. So it was the first time I was in this in this in this space with people who were encouraging to like speak up and, you know, we'd have circle up. And so anyway, the, 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 a lot of the artists that were involved were like professional actors and people who were actually, you know, so I kind of knew about headshots and like, you know, they would say little things. And I knew one of the teachers, um, Tiki Furo, she, she actually, she went to NYU grad school. So I, you know, these kind of things I kind of knew. And so when I graduated, um, Cornell, I thought, I said, oh, okay, I guess the next thing would be for me to, to go back to school for acting and I thought about going to get an MFA at NYU. And I remember, I remember asking her, and this is a program that I, I, I started out as a participant, and then I, would, went, I went back to work as a camp counselor. And so I was involved throughout college. What's the program called? Uh, the Lifelines Community Arts Project at the Center for Family Life. And definitely changed my life in many, many ways. And it's still there today? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. Um, changed my life, my whole life. And um, so I remember I was talking to her, and I was like, yeah, you know, I'm thinking about going to, I think I'm about applying to NYU. And I remember... Some, something like she was like, oh, wow, that's really like it's really like competitive. And I'm thinking, oh, I'll just apply and then, you know, keep it moving. I didn't think, you know, and she said something like, oh, it's really, you know, this is so it's really competitive. And, da, da, da. and I was like, and after I had, I had just come out of a super intense academic experience and I was like, I am not interested in even dealing with anything that's like super competitive, super whatever. And so I was like. I was like, forget this. And so I just literally was like, school of hard knocks. And I ended up taking like continuing, I started out taking continuing ed classes um, at NYU. And my first audition was um, a, a massive open call for rent at the Apollo Theater. And I remember I showed up. I just showed up. I didn't have any pictures. I didn't have a resume. I didn't even know. I just showed up. I love it. song that I was going to do acapella. I had no sheet music. And it was being online, like waiting online for hours, you know, in front of the Apollo in Harlem, where I was meeting all these actors and they had, so I was like, that's how I was learning. I was like, oh, you need headshots, you need a resume. And so I just taught, and people had sheet music. And I was like, oh boy, you know, and I, you know, I went in and I was like, you know, I was like, I'm going to sing the song acapella. And, you know, I just sang my little song. And of course, you know, um, so from that, like, it's like, okay, like little by little piecing it together. So from like real life experience to, to the other actors I would meet in my classes. And then like, I had this headshot that a headshot that my friend took that I kind of like just blew up. It was like a, it's like a, he was a photographer and he took a picture of me in high school. I mean, in college. And I just kind of blew it up and like on like on paper and then attached the resume to it. And I would just send it out to things and, you know, I was just making it. And then I, and then I hooked up with a manager. So it was like literally like piecing it together. I literally started from the bottom, not knowing a gosh darn thing. And then I remember one day in my, on my fit of like, I was like, I, I have no money. I have nothing. And I remember I went to go visit um, Lifelines and um, and I was just talking to Julie Brockway, who's like mentor, 
second mother. I don't even know, friend. You know, I don't even know how to describe her. And we were talking, and, and she was like, well, you know, if you want a job, you can come, you know, we'll, we'll figure out a position for you here, you know. And I was like, oh, man. And it was cool because it was, you know, the hours weren't so crazy. Um, so I worked there for, uh, I worked there for, like, almost two years. But then I left that job. Uh, it was, it was, I mean, it's, it's one of the best jobs I've ever had. I was uh, working with preteens, um, doing, you know, doing acting classes and activities and, um, but I was so not, I was, I was acting, I was still taking classes, but because I love the job so much, you know, you're working with kids, it wasn't the kind of thing where, so I would have auditions and I would hope, secretly hope that I wouldn't get the job Mm. because it wouldn't, so then it wouldn't take me away from. From, like hoping not to get the acting job. Yeah, I huh. was hoping that I wouldn't get the job in this in a weird way, so that because I knew that it would take me, it would be an inconvenience. I couldn't just pick up and leave because I love the job, and I couldn't just I couldn't just leave, pick up and leave. So I had to I had to make a decision to leave the Lifelines job so that I can. I knew that I, you know, I was ta- I'm telling the kids, you know, go for your dreams, go all the way, da da da. But here I was in this really comfortable. I mean, which is like a second home to me. Um, here I was in this like comfortable, safe space where I was getting a check, you know, every two weeks, and you know, I was, it was great, and I knew that I had to, you know, I had to kind of walk behind my words and, you know, and really f- go after it full, 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 full. So it was one of the hardest things I ever had to do, um, and they were really supportive, and I left that job. I left that job to like I was like if I if I leave this job that I love so much I was like I'm gonna go hard 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 hard. And did you know that you wanted to be in film or were you thinking theater? Like at that point, I, was that really clear to you that you wanted so to? So when I became an actor to because I wanted to do film, and I remember, oh man, I forgot about I used to oh man, I'm remembering so much stuff now. Um, uh, I used to dance on MTV. And that was one of the first jobs oh, that yes. I got. Yeah. Tell us about this MTV <laughs> dancing game. So anyway, it was, again, I think it was something that I got. This doesn't show up in any research. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've never said it. But um, yeah, it was one of those things that I got like early on. Like, I feel like I was, I, I was somewhere and then I met someone. They were like, yeah, you know, contact this person or show up this time because you're looking for dancers at MTV and and so I was like, okay, cool. Like I remember, so through that through that job, because like the show was called Global Grooves, and they had dancers all over the world, and they were like, you know, show like we would like dance, you know, people in Times Square, people in Hong Kong, people in Philadelphia, <laughs> people in you know whatever. And and what kind of music were you guys dancing to? All kinds of music, like all kinds of music, um, but danceable music. Okay. Um, but it would be like you know whatever house or like you know like hip hop you know, infused with house. Like, it was like, you know, it was just, yeah, it was, again, it was, like, crazy, and but cool. And so, yeah, so there was, like, a mix of, like, theater and film going on um, that I was auditioning for, and I guess at some, you know, in the mix, I, I had an agent that I was working with. So I had read somewhere, which I don't know if it's true, that when you went to audition for Pariah, the short, yeah. that you went expecting to be an extra. You know, I get emails all the time, um, with different auditions and depending on what's happening, I might check that email, you know, because I'm working. So I'm like, I might check it. I might not. Um, and I happened to check my email one time and it, and they had you know, a bunch of auditions and one of them was for Pariah and so, immediately it jumped out at me because it was like, 
I think somewhere in the description, I was like, I have never seen this before. And I guess I thought, and I remember scanning the list of characters, and it was like, at the bottom, it was like auxiliary high school students. I was like, oh, okay, because I don't know, I just didn't think, I, was, I, just, I just wanted to be a part of it. And I, maybe because I, maybe I just didn't think that I would. And when you said you've never seen this before, what are you referring no, meaning to? Meaning like I'd never seen this kind of story before. before. And I was like, oh, wow. And I was like, I don't know. I really want to just be, I want to just be a part of it. And maybe deep down I was like, I mean, I was not conscious of it at all. I was like, maybe I wanted to be the lead. But for, for the most part, it was like, okay, maybe I'll just get to be a part of, I just want to be a part of this film. And so... So I submitted myself, hoping maybe to be an extra, because I didn't. I don't know. I just didn't think. I didn't think they would want me for the lead. And then, I like I snail mailed her my picture. And I remember being at work, and she called me like I was at work. I remember clearly, and she was like, "Yeah, we want you to come in for the lead." And I was like, "Is this G Reese? Yeah, the director. D, yeah. <laughs> the director of Friday. Yes. <laughs> um, she called me, and she was like, "Yeah, we want you to come in for." Um, coming for the lead. And I was like, whoa, okay. I was like, yeah, you know. And she hadn't met you. She hadn't no, seen no, you no. before. Is no, this just no. from the picture? Just from the picture. Okay. Yeah. And my picture is so not, like, I'm like, I don't even know how you see. Do you still have this picture, by the way? I it's my, my headshot. Oh, it's like, still my, the same one? Yeah, the okay. same one, yeah. Okay. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. It's a great so, picture. Thank you. Um, and so, so I remember, yeah, I remember, I, I remember I had a, I had an audition for a play and I had, that same day, so that weekend, I had to work on. I don't even know. It was like, like thirteen pages of sides for this, this this play. I don't even remember what the play was. And then I had this uh, this this audition for for Pariah, and I spent so much time. I had been preparing for this play, but there was something about Pariah where I I just I read it and I just I was like I know what this character I know this character like I just know I just something in me just connects to this character. Can you tell us a little bit about Alike in Faraya? I play uh, a young woman named, I played a young woman named Alike who she very much feels on the out. She's a lesbian teen. She's not out with her parents and she's like juggling multiple identities and trying to be what everyone wants her to be and not, um, and hasn't figured out who who she is on her own terms. And so, I don't know, I, I immediately just, I just, I, I felt, I knew what it felt like to be an outsider, to not, like, fit in. Um, and I don't know if that's part of my, you know, part of my childhood and, like, just being kind of, like, yeah, not comfortable, and definitely not comfortable in my own skin. And so I, yeah, I went to the audition. I begged my little brother to borrow his clothes. And, uh, and then, yeah, I went to the audition and... Um, and it was great. I was like, okay, I'm just going to have a lot of fun. Like, I really, like, I really, that's the thing. It's like, you know, you think you're going to, you think you want to be an extra and they're like, oh, we want you, you know, we want you for the lead. And you're like, oh man, you're like, this would be so great, you know? And then I was like, okay, you're just going to go in and just have a great audition. Just have fun with it, you know? And and that's what I did. I just kind of like jumped all in and I had fun and, you know, I, I, you know, I had the clothes on and, you know, and I just kind of like, you know, walked out and. I was like, okay, whatever happens, I know I did my, I did my best. And then call back, and another call back. And it was like closer, closer, closer. And I remember, um, I remember, I don't know why this is so emotional, but I remember, I remember the moment when, you know, they called me in to tell me that I got the job. And I remember thinking, oh, like, finally I'm going to get a moment, a chance to like, I was so happy. This like, there's no way to describe that. Like, 
oh, I'll finally get to like, to really sink my teeth and I get to like, you know, do what it is I, I wanted to do. And, and um, it was uh, just, you know, talking about the experience of, it's so weird, I've never, this has never made me cry. But, um, but just that feeling, I think I'm just remembering like when you, when you love something so much, you know, I remember being on set and it was the best, like the fact that I got to be on set every single day, and I think it was like a 10 day shoot. And I remember, I remember like, you know, being at home and looking at the schedule and like, like seeing like my name was on every day. And I was like, oh, it was like being a kid again, like. It was, you know, we had long days and hard, you know, long, hard days. and But it was the best, the best, the best, the best. And again, it was another experience that really solidified, you know, okay, this is, this is, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to do. This is the kind of work that I want to do. And did you have any sense that this was going to expand to a full length? I don't know if at the time I knew it came from a, it came from a feature film. Like she wrote the, she wrote the feature film first and then whittle it down to a short for her thesis. So let's fast forward a little bit to, mm-hmm. to Pariah, the film. Like, how did you, did you, did Dee just call and say, hey, we have the money, we're going to make it full length? How did that happen? We actually had a couple of stop starts, start stops. So we thought we were going to go, but then the money got snatched. And so, so at the time I was doing readings and I got cast in um, Denai Guerrero's play called The Eclipsed at Yale Rep. And so I went, um, I went to go do the play Again, another great experience. And I think, I, and then and in between all the time, I had done my first region, my first real theater job. I'd done, I got cast in The Bluest Eye, and I got to, I worked at Hartford Stage and, and Long Wharf Theater. And that was the year before, and then and the next year. So I got, did Eclipse. And while I was doing Eclipse, I think we were almost, I think we had just started um, the play. I got a call. That the film was greenlit. Like mm-hmm. it's like official go. And I was like, oh <laughs> shit. Oh my God. And I remember feeling excited, but I was definitely like, fuck. Because and they were literally were like, yeah, like in like in three weeks we're gonna go. So I was like, I was gonna come home from the play and then I would have like two weeks to prep and then like go on to do this film. And what I loved about doing the short is I had no expectations. I had no expectations. This was a fresh, you know, fresh role. Like it was, you know, and then we, you know, we'd gone to some film, you know, we had done some film festivals and, and I was, I guess I was like feeling all this like, oh, like, I don't know, like pressure and like, I don't want to mess it up and. You know, I don't want to ha- I don't want to like feel like I have to repeat any performances. So when I saw the film, I remember it um that I remember thinking when I saw that you were Yoruba, a Nigerian, mm. one of the first thoughts that occurred to me was if her family is anything like mine, <laughs> the subject of this film will be incredibly controversial for them mm. and would would probably, I mean, I don't even know in my home would probably cause like World War 3. Mm. So what was the response like your mom's response to the movie? Yeah, that's a good question. And were you I, worried about it at all? Because I would have been worried the whole time I was doing no, it. No, I didn't think about it at all, actually. I did not think about it at all. Um, I got the role, and I was just... Because it was weird. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't look at it as like, oh, I never worried about the subject matter or what I had to do in the movie or what I had to portray. It was just... This is a... It's like a... 
this is a, a great character. It was like, just like a great character, great movie, something we've never seen before. So that was what I was focused on. I was like, well, this is, I'm, just sad. I'm just happy to get to, to be a part of this. And I, I mean, I didn't really talk to my mom about like the roles that I've been doing. And, and you know, yeah, I mean, at that point, I was just kind of like doing my own thing. And, you know, and she was actually going back and forth between Nigeria and I was, you know, at home taking care of my brother. So it wasn't like this, like, you know, she didn't ask me a lot of questions because she didn't really know what to ask. So I was just kind of doing my own thing. And I did the short, and I don't remember if she was here or she was in Nigeria at that point. But when I went to Sundance in 2008, I they, they were screening the move the film online, and I asked my little brother to... I was like, oh, yeah, it's going to be online. I was like, I, so I called them from Sundance. I was like, can you just walk, help mom to set it up so she can watch the film? And I remember I speaking to, my, I speak to my, my best friend, and I was like, yeah, my mom's going to watch the film. And she was like wait, did you tell your mom what the film was about? And I was like, no. And she was like, Daddy, <laughs> how could you not? And I was like, I didn't even think about it. And also, too, because I think, I think in hindsight, like, you know, my mom, my mom was pretty, I don't know, she's a pretty, I don't want to say open-minded person, but she just, I, I guess I never thought that she would have a problem with it. I didn't think about it at all. And so... So I called her later after she'd watched it. And I was like, yeah, mom, like, what did you think? And she, the first thing she says to me, she was like, your father would have done the same thing. And I was like, because in, in the short, my, the father, uh, you know, sorry for people who haven't seen it, but um, something happens. Um, there's some violence that's committed on to Alike by the father. And she said, your father would have done the same thing. And I was mm. like, hmm. okay. I was like, Okay, yeah. I was like, okay, but what do you think of the film? Like, you know, and she was like, my mother, she doesn't, yeah, the woman of few words when she wants to be a woman of few words. Um, she was just like, oh, you know, I laughed a lot. And I was like, okay. Like, I think it was, I think, I think, I think, she, I think it was, and I'm like, you laughed a lot? Really? It's not really that funny. Yeah. But, um. I think she, I think, I think in hindsight, maybe it was just really weird for her. To like, to it's just like weird for her. So you wrap the film and it goes to Sundance and it kind yeah. of blows up basically. And you <laughs> blow up. And what was that? I mean, sort of, this is twofold question. What was yeah. that experience like? And I'm not sure it's something you could actually describe now in retrospect, because you're probably like, what is going on? Yeah. And two, looking back on the entire arc of your journey, is yeah. it something that you would imagined did it come close to what you had imagined no i i think uh, when everything happened with with sundance yeah because that was like the start of everything it was well because it was the first time i saw the film was it was at sundance and so because we were the opening night film and it was like it was i was already like it was a lot of energy around it because people were so excited and people kind of knew the journey from the short to the feature and like then we were opening night film and it was like it was like all oh, this like woo you know like just so because and it was already cool because I had been at Sundance before so I kind of had an idea of what to expect but I had no idea I was there with the short and I had no idea that going there with a the feature that's in competition was a whole nother bag of tricks like it, that's a whole nother like whirlwind of an experience and so so seeing the film for the first time was really weird. It was really weird, I have to say. It was really weird. Um, and I remember, but I do remember the moment when we all went up on the stage um, and we got a standing ovation. And this, we were in the Eccles Theater, which is like the biggest theater at Sundance. Like, I think like 1,200, I think. 1,200 seats. 
And I remember, I remember standing on stage and I remember thinking, looking out, and I remember thinking, wow, like, and I think there was, people were talking about it and people were asking questions. And I remember thinking, wow, I cannot believe I'm actually here. Like, you know, when I first started acting, I thought the one thing I struggled with was I didn't really think that someone like me could be up on, would be up, was someone like me, someone who looked like me could I didn't think anyone would want to see someone like me who looked like me on a big screen. I remember that moment, I think, I was thinking, wow, here I am for the premiere of a film that I was in, and I was on the screen, and I just watched myself on the screen. So it was kind of definitely like a full circle moment. I remember thinking, wow, okay. That idea that, um, again, I'm going to start crying, that thing of like, Number one, dreams do come true, and that idea that anything is possible. In that moment, I remember thinking, wow, anything is is possible. Because I remember I struggled so hard, you know, in the beginning, I wanted to act so much. There was this thing that was, like, calling me. And I wanted to act in a way that, I wanted to act in things that there was really no example of for someone like me. And I was like, oh, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm doing the impossible here. I feel like I'm like trying to do too much. Like my dream is a little too big. Um, but I'm thankful that the, the voice of my dream was louder than that voice of, um, you know, that other voice. And so, um, and it, I spent a lot of my, I spent a lot of those years like really trying to work past those, past that voice that like, oh, like, you know, you're not, I'm not like a cookie cutter. I'm not like, you know, I'm not a cookie cutter, like, Let's say I'm not Halle Berry. And I think at the time, Halle Berry was like, the, you know, like that was the example, you know. Bastard of black womanhood. Yeah, but, you know, <laughs> and I was like, I'm definitely not that. Like, I'm, you know, um, I'm very much me. And, and I wasn't quite sure if that was, you know, if that was going to be good. You know, I didn't think that that was going to be acceptable. I accept me, but I didn't know if, you know, I didn't know what it meant to kind of put all my energy into something where I thought... You know, and I definitely got, I definitely got, you know, people definitely said things to me and people said a lot of, a lot of things to me about what I can't and can't do based on, you know, how I looked and who I was and all kinds of things. Um, and so, and we have things like that. You're just like, it's like, it just was like, oh, it's like, it's too much. It's like, you know, but that there was that thing that was like, okay, but I still, I, this is what I, this is what I really want to do and I have to keep going. And so. So to stand on that stage and to, 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 to have that experience was just like, I knew anything was possible. I was like, okay. It was just great. Like, it was great because people, it was going to these screenings and, and we would do Q&As after every screening and meeting people who, I mean, I have to say most of the audiences were white and, you know, there's not one white person in Pariah. And again, I was reminded about the power of film, like, I was talking to people who were relating to the story, relating to the characters one way or another, the characters who didn't look anything like them. And I was like, wow, this is, this is why we do what we do because, you know, how something that's so specific can be so universal. And I saw the power of film. I saw how film could be so universal. And th- that idea that, you know, all those labels and boxes, they don't really mean anything. They don't really, they don't mean anything because here are people who, you know, who technically on the surface should not be able to relate to the story, but they did in so many ways. And I, that, I think that was the most, um, that was the most humbling um, and amazing thing. Kind of opened the door to something else actually that mm-hmm. I think would be interesting to talk about, which is the whole idea that 
I think part of the challenge that black actors especially are having is that I think there's a sense of like when roles are being cast or maybe the powers that be, whoever they are, are envisioning roles. It's like, well, when I think about a human being, you know, I think I'm a black woman. I think of a black person typically. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if part of the issue too is this idea that, you know, if we're casting a woman, right, and there is no race specified, then it's automatically really thought of as a white person. Yes. And so I think something that you've touched on, which is so powerful, is the idea that it kind of doesn't matter, right? Like if there's a good story and it's sort of showing an experience, like any audiences can relate to it, you know, sort of regardless. I mean, I'm not sure there's a question in there, but I think kind of one thing that you said that really touched me deeply was the idea of you saying you couldn't even imagine seeing yourself on screen, which is like insane to me. Or that anyone would want to see someone like me on the screen. That was insane. I mean, you know, to be honest, I definitely, you know, I definitely, I would sit in class and we would do, you know, do some on-camera classes and, you know, we would, I mean, definitely with some self-esteem issues and, you know, I didn't, I didn't think I was beautiful. I didn't think I was, you know, I didn't think I was beautiful. And, you know, it, it hurts me to even say that, but that's the truth. I would sit in these classes and, you know, we would watch the things that we would, we would watch what we did and it would be so, I remember I would go in the, I don't think I've ever said this, but I would go in the stairwell and I would just cry because I was just like, oh, like it was just like, oh, I couldn't. You know, because I would see these other women, and I'm like, oh my God, they're so pretty, they're great. And I would just, I would look at myself and I was just like, what am I doing? What am I doing? You know? So. And you kept going. I, I kept going. I kept going. And what are the, were the mo- those moments where you were like, what am I doing? Or you thought about giving up? Or, and I don't know if you ever had one moment that was just the most kind of sort of maybe extreme of all of them that yeah. you want to talk about where you just said, I'm done, I can't. I can't do this. And and how did you turn it around? What? How did you shift it? You know, was there a process? I remember one specific moment vividly. I was, I think this is a close, it was the most despair I felt. Um, I was like, I was at home and in Brooklyn and I was just like, um, this is after I shot Pariah, the feature. And I was like, I don't have any money. I'm not able to pay my bills. I, I, was, like, I was just tired of feeling like I can't take care of myself. And I remember I was just crying, crying, crying. And I was like, and I literally was like pleading to the universe. I was like, if there is something, because the problem was that I, there wasn't anything else I would want to do. If that, if there had been something I wanted to do that that came up, I would have, I would have quit acting. I would have done it. Like I would have done it. And I remember pleading. I was like, please, like, tell me that there's something else that I could do, you know, because I always felt like. I could do anything I wanted to do. Like, if I wanted to, like, if I wanted to quit acting now and I wanted to, like, start a business doing, you know, whatever, I would be successful at it because it was like, okay, it's tangible. Like, I can just work really hard and I can gather my, you know, because at the time I was, like, crocheting and selling my hats in the street. Like, that's another job that I did. Um, <laughs> so I was like, I, I there, there definitely, but this whole, this whole, this business of acting, it was, like, so arbitrary. It's like, you know, thinking about the people who, I mean, and I met people all the time who were, who were acting who've been acting for years and years and years, and they and nothing was coming of it. And I just thought, that would be the worst thing ever. Like, how do you... And I remember at one point, um, you know, I was, like, thinking about, how do you know when to stop? How do you know after... After how long, how do you know when to stop when you're not really seeing the kind of, you know, results that you want? And so I remember just sitting in my mom's bed, and I was just thinking, ugh, like, you know, what, please, tell, like... 
you know, I, I can't do this anymore. And I remember, it's like, again, that little voice was like, my heart was like, you got to stay with acting. And it's like, okay. And I remember that moment, I was like, okay. My heart spoke, and that's it. I have to keep going. Like, I still feel bad. I still feel like I'm broke. I still feel like I don't know what's happening. But it's like that, that feeling, I, I realize that that feeling in your heart does not lie. Once your heart speaks, like, I feel like your heart is like the truth. Like, that's like the truth box. Like, it will never lead you astray. As painful as the process might be, it will never, ever lead you astray. So I was like, all right. Uh, and I remember being at my best friend's house in Long Island. I was feeling so bad. I, like, I needed to actually physically be, you know, talk to somebody. And I was crying. I was like crying, crying, crying. Because I really felt like I had to give up. And it was like, that's, that's the pain. Like, I'm going to give up and like do get a regular. I was like, I was like, I was like what? What is, what am I going to have, what am I going to do? And, you know, she's talking me through it. And in that moment, in the exact moment where I was crying, I got a call from D and, uh, uh, D and Akisa. And they called to tell me that Pariah got into Sundance mm. in that literally in my tears. And I was like, in the middle of the ugly cry. Oh yeah. And I was like, <laughs> and then I was like, wait, what? <laughs> You know, it's like one of those things, it's like, okay, you know, and I do, I really do believe that, I believe that if you have something, this might be naive, but I really do believe that if you, I think a big part of it is persistence. I do believe that if you're persisting and at the same time you're able to like, you're, you're, you're doing all that you can, I really do believe that it will come. I really do believe that because it's happened in my life. Do you have sort of roles that you don't, like, as a black woman, perhaps, or just as a person, roles or archetypes that you're like, no, I'm sorry, I won't, I don't want to play a role like this. You know, I'm thinking of, like, you know, sort of controversies over films that have come out in the past. Yeah, I think my, you know, I don't have anything where, well, I did have that with slavery, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We'll uh, get to that. Saying, <laughs> it's perhaps a leading question. Yeah. Perhaps. I was like, I'll never play a slave. Yeah. Cut to... You know, my only thing is I don't I don't mind because I, I did some of the earlier things that I did were like half Nelson, you know, playing someone who, you know, was a crack crack addict. Which can we talk about that for a second? The IMDB note literally says crack smoker. Yeah, which, which is was not, offensive. Doesn't which she was, have a name? Which was not what what it was when I did it. Okay. Yeah. And then it was like, oh, you just Wow. But I was like, said crack smoker must have had a name. Can't we just include this in IMDb? Like, literally, when I got the job, it was like woman in hotel room. And then then it became crack smoker. And I was like, okay, this is one for the books. Um, (laughs) One for the books. Um, So so things like that, like, you know, at the time, I did... So I I did a Law and Order where I played like this, like, crack addicted, teenage, abusive mother killer every <laughs> wait, wait 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 every crack addicted teenage age, abusive zip. mother and i was a killer wow wow so it was like every stereotype Did she had a horrible illness and like was she it had in a, a wheelchair. rough life <laughs> um, but the funny thing is i was so excited i was like yo you could not tell me like i remember i sent out emails and i was like yeah I got, like it was it was exciting, and I when I did it, it was a great experience. You know, looking that back, is I'm like hilarious. I would never do that role again, probably never ever. But yeah, like I was like I was so 
excited. Like, I was so excited. And so then I did, and then, and then I did Half Nelson. So, you know, at the, in the, so for me at those, at the time it was like, it was, I was so new that, um, you know, these experiences were just like, I was just happy to sink my teeth into anything. And I didn't look at, I didn't look at these things like, you know, like general, my only, my issue, I don't have any archetypes or characters where I'm like, I won't play. My issue is when you when you when they have certain characters and it's so surface or so so stereotypical. There's no there's no depth. There's no anything. You know whether the character has a big role or a small. It just has to feel real. It just has to feel because I mean I know what it, I mean. I grew up in Brooklyn, so I know what it likes to. I, I I you know I know what crack. You know people who are addicted to you know drugs. You know they have families. They have whatever. It's not like this like stereotypical. So as long as there's some like authenticity to it. I don't mind it. It's interesting because I think Viola Davis spoke on this before. It's like, because I'm an actor and I happen to be black, there is a part of you that, do, that, that does, maybe unfairly so, that's the position that we've been put in, you do have to think twice about what character you're going to play. Because already there's not that many. And then... And then if you play someone that's like, you know, stereotypical, like whatever, then you're just like, oh, you, you think about oh, well, how are people going to, how is this going to, what is this contributing to, you know, to the, to the, to what people think about black people. And it sucks. It really does suck because I think Viola Davis said this in like an Atavis Smiley interview when she was talking about the help. It's like, you just want to. You just want to act. You just want to act. You want to play good characters. And so even though I say now, you know, I would, I, you know, there's no archetypes. But I definitely, if there, was a, if there was a role that came to me and the character was, you know, addicted to drugs, I would, you know, I would think more than twice about it. I'm like, okay, there'd be a lot of factors that have to weigh in for me to even, you know, because I couldn't just make that decision. It's like, okay, yeah, you know. Which it sucks because it takes you, it puts you in your head as, as opposed to, you know, it puts you in the head of a great big responsibility that's really, you know, it's really huge instead of like the head of an artist, the head of an actor. And so, Did you think about that at all when deciding to do Eliza? And how did you make that decision to go from, you know, have this absolute ban against playing a slave to yeah. I'm actually going to take this role in this film? Yeah, because I, I, I don't, I, I, it got to a point where I couldn't watch films about slavery anymore because it was just too painful. And it's like one of those things where it's like, I, okay, slavery is over there. It happened, it's done, you know. Can we just move on, you know? Because um, those images, you know, they're just, they're just too painful. They're just, they're just painful. And so I was very adamant. I was like, I'm not interested in, I don't watch movies about slavery. I don't um, anymore or no longer used to not watch movies about slavery. Um, and I could never, I was like, I will never play a slave. It was very, I mean, I would have bet my life on that, actually. And so... Um, when uh, Django came out before, um, and people were like, you know, everyone was like, oh man, like people, everyone, people were trying to like, you know, go on audition for that or not audition for that. And I remember thinking, yeah, I don't, I wouldn't, I'm not interested in that. And then, so then I got a script for 12 as a Slave and, and I love, so Steve McQueen and I, I knew Steve McQueen because of Hunger and I was like, oh my God, you know freaking love Steve McQueen. The I mean, film is amazing. If you haven't seen it, please go rent it and watch it. <laughs> Hunger. So good. Yeah. So my first, that film, I mean, that was another like 
poignant moment that watching that film Hunger and then seeing that it was Steve McQueen that directed it. I mean, it was just like it's like paradigm shifting and a paradigm shift in, in, in another way. So I read the script and thinking, well, it's a great script, but you know, I don't want to be in this film. I was like, I don't want to do this. I don't. What's the point? Like, what is the point? And did you know? Did you have a sense of the part that you were being? No, for, at the or? time, no. I thought they, they, it was. It's like this big confusion about. I thought they wanted me to play the wife, and then they're like, "Oh no, no, no! They want you to play another role." And I was like, "But I don't want any other other role. The only role that I could see myself playing is the wife, because I was like, she's not a slave. I was like, I would play her because she's not a slave. But she has no lines. She has like two care. lines in the I whole thing. Care. I was like, she's not a slave. I'll show up. I'll I'll say two lines in a Steve McQueen film. No problem." And so there was like this, like, you know, they had they said I had an audition for it. And I was like, well, I don't want to go on on it. I, was like, I said, no. Um, and so then my audition turned into a general general meeting with the cast director, Francine Maisler. Oh, awesome, awesome cast director. And right before my meeting, this is when I was in L.A., right before, I think during, like, the whole pariah, like, the week of, like, Independent Spirit Awards or something. And they told me, I got a call from my manager saying, just so you know, it's supposed to be general, but they're going to put you on the phone. They're probably going to put you on the phone with Steve McQueen. And I was like, fine. I was like, I don't care. Like, you know, and they're going to, you know, he's probably going to talk about the film. I was like, fine. I have no problems talking about whatever my feelings about the film or, you know. And so sat, talked with Francine, and she, sure enough, she did call Steve in London. And, you know, um, she's like, yeah, I said some hesitation. And so I spoke with Steve, and I just asked him a bunch of questions. I asked him, why, is he, what, why does he want to do a film about slavery? And it was a really great conversation because he was like, he asked me, well, when, when was, when is a, when has there ever been a film about slavery in America? And I was like, mm. I mean, Amistad doesn't really count. And the only thing film I could think of was Roots. And he's like, it doesn't count because it's a TV film. And so I was like, you know, and so he was just, we we're just talking about, you know, how really you haven't really seen, um, you haven't really seen slavery depicted in film. And, and it made me think about, it made me think about like like why why are we why am i so um why am i so hesitant about why am i why do i put slavery at such a distance you know cuz there's a lot of pain in it but there's a lot of pain and and i guess a little bit of a little bit of shame in the context of okay here we are in this country i don't want you to just look at me as okay you know you know our people as slaves, you know? And it made me think about, okay, the fact that there are a lot of people from that conversation talk about, like, history and what it means to know your history. And I related it to my parents. And when I really understood what my parents went through when it came to this country, like, when I really got that, it made me think a lot differently about my position in life and what and how, and how fortunate I am and, and, and how I'm able to have this life how I have the luxury to pursue my dreams because of the sacrifices of my parents. Like, my parents, and when I, I, when I learned some of the things that my, my parents have gone through when it came to this country, I was like, whoa. And it made me realize I can't really, I have a responsibility to, to go as far as I can in life and not hold back. And so there's something about learning, knowing about your history. And I'm like, if people really, if people really knew that, and then you realize that there's no shame. There's the, sh- the shame is not on black people in, in slavery. Like, the fact that, that black people are still here, you know, that's, that's strength. Like, that's strength. And so it was like that whole thing was going in my head. I said, okay, 
And the fact that I trusted C. McQueen, like, I, if I was to do a film about that, I mean, he's the only person that I would do it, you know. And, um, yeah, so that was kind of like the, so that was the initial conversation. And, I mean, and the fact that he even took time to talk talk to me, you know. And even at that moment, I didn't even, I still didn't think it was going to be Eliza. Um, I still thought that it was for the wife. And then, um... And then I and then he was in New York and he's like he wanted to meet with me and then I and then we just talk 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 and right before that meeting, I realized that it was for the role of Eliza. Like literally right before I opened the book and I was like, "Oh shit." Okay, and I just felt like okay, there's a reason all of this has happened. There's a reason that I'm being you know this reason it's this particular character because I still I thought was for the for the wife or I don't know why I thought that. Um, and then, yeah, and then we spoke about it. And then that moment, I was like, okay, you know, I was like, all right. What's interesting, something you said earlier, which was, you know, slavery's in the past. I can't tell you how many Facebook posts. I remember right after somebody had written something about the film and somebody wrote in the comments, you know, I just want to see a movie with black people having fun mm. and having a good time and living our lives. Mm. And I don't want to see and be reminded of all of this. Yeah. And there's a part of me that read that and said, yeah, like, amen, sister. I agree with you. Like, I want to see films that just, you know, just, I don't even need us to be heroes or, you know, flying in capes or anything like that. Like, just show us as people, you know. But um, so you had said that earlier. That was sort of your initial gut reaction. Um, And do do you still, I mean, not that there's, you know, there's a line to make like 50 slave movies, obviously not, but, but do you still feel that way in some ways that, you know, perhaps there is, do you think there's more room for these same stories now? Or do you think, you know, maybe we'll have a few more and we should just kind of move on. Yeah, I think so. Just because I feel like there, you know, it's like, especially in this country, I mean, you know, we have the unique position of being like, being of two worlds, in between two worlds, you know, me being Nigerian, but also me being, you know, living in America, and, you know, and then you also see what happens when people don't know the history, you know, what happens when you don't, and I feel like it's, it's, a, it's been a systematic thing to kind of, you know, especially when it comes to black people, or anyone really, you know, who's kind of been like in a, in a, you know, in an oppressed position, you know, what happens, specifically black people, when, when your history is suppressed and it's like there are things, you know, I mean, people will think this is, kind, you know, whatever, but that things that are happening today that is still a result of, of all that stuff, you know? And if, and just like other people, you know, there's, you know, we haven't had the luxury of having talk about slavery in particular, we haven't had the luxury of having, you know, four or five, you know, that 12 years was like the fifth slave, you know, movie about slavery in America. So, um, so I, I think at the end of the day, we're just talking about diversity. We just want, we should be able to have historical films like, you know, there's historical films all the time, but at the same time, there should be some films about, you know, what it's like to be a person who happens to be black now or Latino or Asian or whatever. And I think that's kind of when the discussion is, I think when people get really frustrated is because they feel like all they see are these movies where it's just like, oh, it's so hard to be black or it's so hard to be African. It's like, it's hard, it's hard, it's hard. <laughs> and 
I mean, there are realities about life, you know, there are many different realities, but also too, like, you know, people who happen to be black or Latino or whatever, like, we fall in love, you know, we, you know, we take different things, you know, and so, so I think that's part of what the fatigue is about, really, it's about, like, you know, we just want to see, I think people are just saying they want to see a diversity of stories being told. So are you, are you thinking about creating your own work as well? Yeah, very much so. I think I've always been, I've always, I've always didn't get the whole, like, I have to wait. Like, what do you mean I have to wait to wait for you to choose me? And, you know, I mean, actors are creators as well, but I'm also like a, like, I want to like be on the, you know, creating side. So, um, you know, been writing for a while and I'm getting, get gearing up to direct, um, my first short film. Yeah. That's pretty exciting and like, like I just want to, I just want to shoot. Like, I, I think I feel like, I feel like I'm at a point in my life where I'm just ready to like fall flat on my face. Um, you know, mess up, fuck up and just learn. Like, I just want to, yeah, just kind of like, again, empower myself and just, if I have stories that I want to tell, you know, just make it happen. And Even for, from everywhere you've been, you still feel like this hunger to just like, yeah, I love that. Fall flat in your face and like oh, fuck up. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, because if I mean, what I've learned is if you're if you're hesitant to like, if you're hesitant to make mistakes or look foolish or I mean, good luck to you. Like, you know what what is that? That just puts you in a really comfortable um, place in life that is just so freaking boring and just so not. Um, it's not life force giving and and. Uh, yeah, you, you can't be afraid to, you can't be afraid to make mistakes. And I mean, that's why a lot of people, they're like, oh, no, I don't want to do that because, you know, I can't take rejection or, or what if then I'm like, hey, you know, that's life though, you know? So yeah, I'm, I feel really, really, really ready. And I know it's not going to be perfect. And, you know, I don't feel the strongest about like my abilities as a writer, but I'm like, I don't care. Like, you know, only way to learn is to actually do it. So, you know, I think that's how I felt about acting. I, you know, when I decided not to get an MFA, I was like, instinctively, I was like, I just want to learn by doing it. And it was a long journey. And I, there are definitely times I felt like, oh, I should have gone maybe to get an MFA, but I wouldn't change my journey whatsoever. I would, I would do it exactly the same way. Um, because it's, it's made me who it, it's made me the actor that I am today, and I really like that actor. Um, yeah, I really like that actor. When I can admit that to myself, yeah. I think we're gonna end on that. <laughs> Thank you so much to the amazing Adikbaro Oduye. Thank you. Thank you to Adikbaro for being my guest today, and Lindsay Barons for producing and editing this podcast. If you like what you hear, please connect with us on Twitter. I am at Usayo NYC. Adikaro is at Adikaro OGA. And Lindsay Barons is at Maximo. Thank you again. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.